welcome to Live Vedanta, a podcast where we explore simple living and high thinking. Each week, we join Vivek Gupta as he offers insights on bringing the divine into the daily. Vivekji has experienced much of what the world has to offer, whether it is attending an elite business school or traveling to almost 50 countries. However, tired with the inconsistent and incomplete peace associated with these pursuits, he decided to turn his journey within. Over the last decade, Vivekji has shared his observations on the signs of independent joy with communities across North America and beyond. In this week's episode, part two of Hinduism 101, recorded at Carnegie Mellon University, we explore the who, where, and how of Hinduism. Let's tune in. Hinduism does not have a founder. It is not Swami Chinmayananda. It is not Swami Vivekananda. It is not Adi Shankaracharya. It's not Ved Vyasa. It doesn't matter what name you insert there. It will also be not. There is no founder of Hinduism. When creation came to be, and I'm not going to get into creation theory. But whatever theory you have of how creation is, with creation came Sanatana Dharma. Now you're all thinking, give a relative example of that. When the world was created, did gravity get created after that? Or when the world was created, gravity was created simultaneously to the world. They came together. So let's go back to Newton. Did Newton create gravity? Newton's only role was to discover what was already there. He did not create gravity. He's a seer of this force. So there is no founder of Sanatana Dharma. Sanatana Dharma, with creation, there is this vision. And why this is a very beautiful truth is that there's no limits by a gender. There's no limits by a race. If a man creates a religion, maybe a woman feels uncomfortable. If someone in South America creates a religion, maybe someone in Alaska feels uncomfortable. But when there's no founder, when there's no limits to this being created this, that means we can all relate to it. My teacher, Swami Chinmayananda, he says, there are as many paths to God as there are people. Because every person here is interesting. <laughs> and more holistically, every person here is unique. There's a new chain of fast food that I went to eat at recently. It's called Blaze Pizza. I was in Raleigh and I had it. LeBron James is the new spokesperson for Blaze Pizza. Imagine Chipotle, Chipotle, but for pizza. And they have way more toppings. So you can choose your dough. They have like eight types of cheese and so many olives and so many toppings. 
And they calculate that if you put in the combinations of permutations, there's like many hundreds of thousands of possibilities of pizzas that you can create. Now that's for pizza. Imagine for people. How unique each person is. And in each circumstance, we re respond uniquely. So the fact that there's no founder, again, it shows that this is a very intimate subject that is religion, that is specific to each person. And that's why in Sanatana Dharma, there is no conversion. Because conversion is forcing someone to be like me. What's fascinating is when I think of you, and I look at you, and I judge you, I always judge you from my reference point, as if I'm the standard of goodness. You should look like me. You should walk like me. You should definitely drive like me. So in Sanatana Dharma, there is no conversion. In fact, you cannot be born into Sanatana Dharma. Sometimes speakers, teachers will say, you're born a Hindu, or you're born this, or you're born that. But that's not accurate. If you trust in the teachings, if you trust in the vision, I should be more general. If you trust in the vision, you know the philosophy and you practice it, then you are a Hindu or a Sanatana Dharmi. But if you do not trust in the message, you do not know the philosophy or practice it, then you're not a Hindu. So it has nothing to do with who your parents are. It has nothing to do with what, with what kind of blood type you have. This whole idea of, you know that, uh, it's almost like a swear word, the caste system. That's so grossly misinterpreted. The word caste doesn't even exist in our scriptures. The word is varna. Varna is a Sanskrit word. In English it means color. When I meet little kids, they ask me, what's your favorite color? Vivekti, tell us, you know, what color do you like to wear? What color do you want me to paint this picture of whatever? And I tell them, I don't really think I have a favorite color, but if I do, then do something that is yellow. And then they'll say, my favorite color is pink, or my favorite color is green, or, or turquoise, or whatever it is. And if they've learned a new fancy color, that becomes <laughs> their favorite color. And they never say it as, oh, pink is better than yellow. Your favorite color is yellow, so I'll paint you this picture. My favorite color is blue, so I'll make this picture. Cast is this way. Color is this way. It's not superior and inferior. It's just different. And that difference is not by our parents' profession. It is not based on where you live in society. It is the way you think. The word is guna. Guna means the quality of your mind determines your color. And that's why who, when it comes to who of Hinduism, those who know the philosophy and practice this, they are Hindus. And those who don't know the philosophy and don't practice are not. It is subjective. Only you know if you are this or not. What was the first question? Think of it logically. I'm going from the bottom up. The foundation is what, then why, then who. The next one would be when. Now you have a 50% chance. I've already knocked, <laughs> knocked out three questions. It is when. So logically, if there's no 
founder of Sanatana Dharma, there's no who, there also has to be no when. Gravity was not created in a point of time. Gravity is. Sanatana Dharma does not have a beginning. It is. And that's why it confuses people who are in the academic field. They're very confused. They're overwhelmed. Like, there's no founder. There's no time period. Then how can we compare? That's the point. Don't compare. Not that any of you are parents, but is your first child going to be your favorite child? Is your second child going to be your favorite child? Yeah, I'm a second child too, so all the second children are saying yes. <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> With creation came Sanatana Dharma. The implication of this, just like Sanatana Dharma is not limited by a founder, so it's, it's relatable, since there's no time period when this originated, the message, the vision is always relevant. It's never outdated. How many of you tried the Atkins diet at one point in your life? Do you know what the Atkins diet is? The Atkins diet is when you should only eat protein. So people went into hardcore uh, carnivorous diets. You know, just high, high protein diets but it didn't last very long because no one's health was balanced. If you go, go back further in time, for insulation, to insulate pipes, what did people use? Asbestos. Now if there's asbestos in your home, it's so costly to remove that. It's poisonous. So the Atkins diet didn't work over a period of time, neither did asbestos, but Sanatana Dharma has been around longer than anthropological studies, than even carbon dating. Since creation, there is Sanatana Dharma, and here we are, studying Sanatana Dharma. Because it's time-tested to show that it's always relevant. And in the Mahabharata, Mahabharata has a very cool original name, the original name is Jaya. Jaya means victory. When one studies victory, one becomes Vijaya. Jaya is outer victory, Vijaya is inner victory. That outer victory is not as important as an inner victory. An inner victory is being that happiness that I talked about in the beginning. In Mahabharata, what is shared is that if it's not in Mahabharata, it will never happen. That everything in the Mahabharata is the way that the world is. So jealousy, fear, politics, uh, stealing, all types of relationships, child raising, universities, different subjects, all of this medicine, it's all contained in these 100,000 verses. Anthropologists say that it's 5,000 years old, but it's much older than that. And the point is that it happened 5,000 years ago. It's happening now. It's going to happen 5,000 years from now. If any of you get a chance, you should study a text called Srimad Bhagavatam. And they share that in a certain period of time when people are highly selfish, this is how society is going to be. And if you read that and you read today's newspaper, 
they are identical. You would be shocked to know that they knew all of this, again, 5,000 years ago, and it's happening today. Right down to people will be so distracted by gadgets, by comforts. People are so distracted. One of my teachers shares, the greatest tragedy of humans is that amidst increasing comforts, there's decreasing happiness. Microwaves are supposed to save us time. So now everyone has a microwave. And with those 10 minutes, we can go for a walk, we can read a book. What do we do? We surf the net. Who knows why we're surfing the net, but we surf the net. Or we watch television. Or we text someone. So we have more and more time, but nobody here feels like they have more time. Every year we get busier and busier and busier. And this has all been documented in Veda. So when? There is no when. What? There is no what. Why? There is no why. Who? There is no founder. When? There is no period. Next is where. Where is Hinduism? If you're tuning into how universal this vision is, the answer is there is nowhere. However, if you want to know more at a historical level, the original Bharata Varsha was from Iran to Indonesia. All of that is where Sanatana Dharma was studied and lived. If you go to Thailand, you go to the Bangkok airport, they have a huge mural there of what? The churning of the milky ocean. You go to Bali, they practice Ram Leela better than we do in America or uh, India. From Iran all the way to Indonesia. And what's amazing is that's just the natural geographic territory. But more at a subjective level. What is unique about Sanatana Dharma is that in your own home, in your own dorms, in your own bedroom, you should have an altar. Sanatana Dharma is not only about community worship. It is also about individual worship. Individual and community. That it's not just about Sunday mornings. This is to be thought about and practiced 168 hours a week. How many minutes a week is that? Engineers, come on. 10,080 minutes. Now we all think, spirituality month. I got and sat for 45 minutes. That's my... Quota for the year. Till you come back next year, I'm full. <laughs> but this is a lifestyle. So where? Everywhere. Starting in the morning in your own bedrooms, there should be an altar. And finally, how? What, why, who, when, where, and how? This building has a foundation. It rests on that foundation. If the foundation is not there, these walls, eventually, you know, we could push them down. But with the foundation, we cannot. The foundation for Sanatana Dharma is based on three pillars. 
I'll start at a physical one, going to an intellectual one. The physical pillar is called brahmacharya, which means discipline. Discipline is how one lives a vision. Mentally, now it's more challenging, is ahimsa, which means sensitivity. It does not mean non-violence only. As simple as, a sensitive person would have sat in the front row. I'm not here to judge anyone, but a sensitive person would have sat in the front row. Why? Because those who are running late, if they have to go to the front, it's, they feel uncomfortable and it's distracting to others. Correct? Sensitivity with nature is to never buy disposable water bottles. Is to never use plastic bottles. Even the ones that are PBA-free, they're just made with a different poisonous plastic. Or to use glass bottles, steel bottles. That's ahimsa. And at an intellectual level is satyam. Satyam means conviction. Conviction to live up to what you believe. Our idea of truth is only verbal. In the court of law, where were you on such and such date? You have this alibi. Right? I was with this person, but really, were you thinking about that person? Were you honest with that person? So many of us are in relationships, but do we only think of our significant other? Or do we have multiple significant others in our minds and only one physical significant other? Now your hearts are beating faster. Can you read our minds? <laughs> Satyam is to live up to one's convictions. And who knows your convictions? Really, the answer is only you. But that too, we barely know. These are the three pillars when you go to driving school, before you sit in a car, every time the driving instructor tells you to walk around the car, make sure the tires are inflated, that there's no one hanging out in the back, not that people hang out in the back of cars, and, and so on and so forth. Right? You ensure that that car is safe. <laughs> the way to ensure that we are living a life of discipline and sensitivity and Integration, I shouldn't use the word conviction, integration, is swadhyaya. Swadhyaya means daily study. Daily study of what? Not engineering, not medicine, not the sports scores, not who's wearing what clothes, but daily study of yourself. To get to know who you are, get to know your infinite nature and see how the how gets connected back to the why. My unchanging responsibility is to be independently happy. What, why, who, when, where, and how. If you enjoyed what you heard or you want to learn more, share this episode with a friend or find us online at medium.com slash Vichara Gurukula. For those on the journey of self-development, Vichara Gurukula is a community forum that provides an opportunity to listen, reflect, and contemplate. This podcast is produced by the Young Adults of Chinmaya Mission, an international nonprofit working to transform individuals through the knowledge of Vedanta. Until next time, inspire, love, be.